0: Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful?, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. I've been thinking today about the line between humility and confidence. I have a kind of wild story that I want to tell you, and I have been pondering it. It's happened many, many months ago, and it just came back into my consciousness the last couple of days. And I think it really has to do with that fine line that we've all experienced where, you know, there are times in your life when, to quote Taylor Swift, you know that you are the problem, right? You know, if you're being really honest, healthy, mature, internally self-evolved, even if you don't want to admit it on the outside, the reason you don't want to admit it is because a part of you actually knows that you are being judgmental, you are abrasive, you are insecure, whatever. And because we have those times where I think we feel insecure, thinking, I, I probably am the the problem here. But then I think there's a whole other, Let's say ballpark half, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a whole other grouping of our time when actually we're we're right uh, we we're not the problem. Our gut is saying, this person doesn't like me. We aren't getting along. This situation doesn't feel comfortable. This relationship doesn't feel safe and In those times, we want to be able to trust our gut that it's not us. We aren't the problem. It's not that we are insecure or needy or too much or any of those things. It actually is a moment of, it's not me, it's you. And I think that we struggle... So much to delineate between those times, because the times that it is us, way back at the beginning of the, this podcast, back in 2019, I think it's maybe episode three, I did an episode about my theory of our, our stages of ish, that when you are not owning your ish, your S-H-I-T, it's because we are in either denying, owning, or changing. When you don't know how to change the things you don't like about yourself, it's hard to even own it. You want to deny it because it's way too painful to admit. Maybe it's that you have an addiction issue or you have an anger problem or you're deeply jealous or, wh- or whatever it is. If you say it out loud, and you don't know how to fix it. That feels too raw, too painful to sit with. So we often deny. Things that there is a part of us in the back of our head that knows it's true. We just don't know how to change it. And so we get very defensive when anyone else points it out, even our own psyche. Because we all have that, then on the flip side, we also have these times when I think we take that fear and we make it, we make it true of other scenarios that it's not. When actually in these other moments... You should be trusting your gut. You should be having confidence. You're right. This isn't about your weaknesses. This isn't about your insecurities. So, that's the conversation that I want to have today, exemplified by a very bizarre encounter that I had way back at the beginning of the year. I was out with Jeremy here in New York City, and I ran into someone that I had not seen in like two decades. So think of someone, you know, as I'm sharing my story from that you went to high school with or college with, you know, I don't know, maybe you knew them in your early 20s, like depending on your life stage or season or who it is that arises for you. This is someone that you knew when you were much younger. And at that time in my life, I didn't care for this person. I didn't like them. I didn't think they seemed nice. I didn't think they seemed authentic. But I simultaneously was deeply insecure at that time in my life. And I didn't think that people liked me and wanted to be friends with me. And so while I had my feelings about them, I think it was also so deeply entwined with thinking, well, they don't like me. And for some people, they might be able to separate and be like, oh, well, I don't like them. They don't like me. Great, no problem. But you know, when you're seeing someone consistently, you're in school together, you're um, you're you're working together, you have the same friend group, you're at church together, whatever your scenarios are, you're seeing them frequently. For most of us, I think in this community, it doesn't feel good to be like, oh yeah, that person and I just don't really like each other. So even though I'm not thinking they're very nice and authentic and therefore you you would think on paper, I might say, oh, well then I don't care about their opinion. But nonetheless, because I am wanting to be liked, that is also painful for me. I'm not deeply desiring for this person and I to be close friends because I actually don't care for them. And yet it's also feeling prickly to me. I don't think they like me either. And I guess I'm thinking, well, I don't like you because you don't seem nice, but I'm not sure why you don't like me. So a lot of it has to do with my insecurity at the time. And I think if you had asked me a year ago, I probably would have said they may have been a very nice person and I just was so insecure. I just didn't think that people liked me and I felt left out and I felt like an outsider and all of these things. And I wonder how much, therefore, I would have put it on myself that I was the problem in in how I felt about this person, because mind you, I don't think this person had any, was even thinking about me. So I don't mean there was like a problem we were fighting or we were discussing anything like that. But as far as me, I mean like, yeah, I don't care for this person. And there's lots of people that we feel this way about. It wasn't this huge relationship. It's just, if you had asked me a year ago, do you care for that person? I would have said, not particularly. And if you had said why I may have said, I, I, X, Y, Z, but also I was really insecure at that time in my life. So it also just may be the, the lens through which I was seen. I think I would have taken on a little bit more of that. So the beginning of this year, I'm out with Jeremy and I run into this person. And it's um, a scenario where you run into each other and then you're kind of next to each other for a while. You know, maybe you're like going through airport security or you're you're on the subway or something like that where you've you've got a handful of minutes to talk. It's not exclusively you run into each other on the street and then you say hello and you go your separate ways. And so we run into each other and I say, "Oh my gosh, hi, like I can't believe I'm seeing you here. Um, and I'm like, oh I just um, I actually just ran into or connected with someone else that we used to know. And I mentioned this person. And they immediately, make an unkind comment going back 20 years. The first thing out of their mouth. And it had to do with, I said, oh, I saw this person. And they made some comment about, oh my gosh, can you like, like, yeah, when they got together with so-and-so, like this romantic relationship. Oh, that was just like, what a weird time this couple is still married. They have children. They're both lovely people. I don't remember having any thoughts about it at the time, other than these are two nice people who are dating now. So I have no idea what this person is talking about, but it's not like I was, I instantly was like, oh, right. It was such drama because she was dating him. It's nothing like that. I genuinely, again, if you had asked me a year ago, what do you think about this couple? I would have said, oh, I haven't, I haven't. Talk to them in a zillion years, but they were both really sweet people. that That's it. That's all I would have had to say about it. And I thought this is fascinating that the first thing that comes out of their mouth is something negative and judgmental going back twenty years about people I think are very nice and don't have anything unkind to say about. So we're not sharing this same lens. And in a moment, it hits me. Now, mind you, I have not thought about this person in years. Again, this is not like, this wasn't the situation of like this mean girl who tormented me in school or something like that. I mean, really an irrelevant person in my life. But all of a sudden, I'm standing there and I think, wow, I was right. It was them, not me. Now, was I insecure at the time and therefore extra heightened maybe uh, about this person and if they liked me and if they were nice to me or absolutely i abs- it is absolutely true that i was insecure at that time and also from my young insecurity and my lack of healing which we all have in some area of our life if we're going back to 15 or 20 or 25 we all have that that, that was present yes and my gut was also right, that this wasn't a super kind or authentic person. And then, as I say, we're in a scenario where we have to continue to stand there. And what unfolds next is they spend the entire time trying to impress me. Like they say, oh, by the way, this is my, my spouse, you know, which is fine. Like to introduce the person, you know, oh, this is my spouse. This is my kids. I'm like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Like, you know, this is, this is my husband. Um, and I don't mean that as an impressive, you know, you're just like mentioning whatever. And then they say, um, are you still performing? Cause they knew that I performed. And I said, no, I'm not. And I just left it at that. I, I just. I just answered the question. I didn't go on to explain what I'm doing with my life, and try, you know, I just said, "No, I'm not." What about you? And they told me about their career and this one thing that they were doing, and I was like, "I said, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful! I'm so happy for you." I really, I was very genuine. I was like, "Ah, oh, that is so wonderful! I'm so happy for you." And then they told me another thing that they had done. I was like. That is so exciting. I love that for you. And then they were like, oh, oh, and then they told me another thing that they had done. And I was like, well, this just sounds wonderful. And I just, it was so interesting that I was very aware in the moment. And I, and I'm not saying this as in like, guys, hair toss, <laughs> I'm just so great. I'm saying this as you have a moment where you're reminded of your younger self. And you realize, I I used to be so much more insecure. I was so lacking in confidence when I was around this person in this era of my life. And because of that, I actually also put more on myself of thinking this also is more about my insecurity than maybe I'm right, that maybe my gut is right about this person. And now to have this interaction that I'm not expecting to coming and to realize I had zero desire for this person to think that I was cool or to need them to think that I was cool. I just realized I... I'm very confident that I'm happy in my life. (laughs) And I don't have any insecurity over the fact that I'm not still performing or that I need to tell them what my trajectory has been all these years. And it was so noteworthy, this feeling of being just confident, I guess. And I think, especially as women, that is sometimes looked down on to actually say, That you were confident, it seems like cockiness. But when you can compare it to a younger version of yourself, much younger version of yourself, you realize no, it just means healed. It just means more inner peace. It just means more self acceptance. It just means genuinely not caring that someone, who you don't even think is that nice, (laughs) whether they like you or not. But that at the time, that was important. and, And furthermore, that it clouded a little bit. It made me second guess, is she not that nice? Or do I just not think she likes me? And so then I'm overcompensating, making it mean something about her. And to then, friend, get to an adult conversation and realize this person who I didn't think was that nice was probably also really insecure at the time, which makes sense, right? We were all, we were both 15, we were both 20, we were both 25. We we were both insecure at that time. And yet they had more kind of status or power. You know, they were a cooler girl, et cetera. Um, And so they kind of, kind of had the upper hand. So I thought they would, I assumed they were someone with more confidence. So again, I'm putting even more on myself. I'm more insecure than she is. And can we look back at these times? And maybe for you, it's in a romantic relationship. Maybe you're able to look back and be like, not only was I insecure and unhealthy, so was the other person but also because i was so insecure i was putting them above myself when actually we were on even playing field i was thinking it was all about the you know them not approving of me when really i think they just weren't the greatest boyfriend or um or first boss or whatever your story was and i thought it's so interesting and i and i say this really with so much compassion. And I think I sort of hesitated to share the story because I don't want it to come across especially if if this was one of your first times meeting me and we hadn't really developed a relationship. I don't want it to come across as though I am just so healed and awesome in my life now. I'm just so confident. Here's this other person that's so insecure. But what I realize is the more confident and grounded and peaceful you become, it is more evident to you, people who are insecure. And I think when we are insecure, we're worried about coming across as such. That makes sense. But I wonder for how many of us, have we really healed over the years. And we haven't we haven't fully celebrated that. We're still seeing ourselves as someone who is more insecure, more needy, more easily angered, less likable, more aggressive. Like what were the things that you saw yourself as? in a much younger version of your life. And if you're listening to this and you're in your 60s, that might be for you in your 30s as a young mom who was super stressed out. You were a single mom. You were working. You had a lot of kids. Like it it may be whatever age or era for you that you think back and realize, I was insecure at that time. But also that lens then filtered the other people that I was interacting with? And have I now healed? And now can you think of an interaction you've had? And it might be that same person. It might be like this, someone from your past comes back and it, it just felt so different. I think that's what was so noteworthy to me is I suddenly was transported I almost feel a little emotional saying it. I suddenly was transported at just how insecure I was. And just how much I thought everybody else was more confident and more liked and more grounded. And yet we were all so young. We I'm sure none of us, and this was, you know, in an age I, I guess I feel like kids today have maybe more of this confidence because we have more. You know, mental health awareness and all of that, but I also don't know a lot of kids in that demographic. Maybe um, I will will find as I have a kid that we just all are incredibly insecure at fifteen, at twenty. I'm not sure. Maybe this generation is doing it better uh, than we were. But I think I just—it's like it gave me a glimpse to realize just how much I had grown. And I guess also, and this is where I said I I hesitated to share this story because I don't want it to sound, even though I'm sharing it anonymously, even though I waited months and months and months to share this story, well, no one but Jeremy was there to observe it. So there's no no way on earth this person listens to this podcast. And yet, I just didn't want to feel in any way, shape, or form like I was maybe speaking poorly of someone. I think that's why I held on to this story. And yet the truth is, I was observing their insecurity now. And it actually was the juxtaposition in the moment when I realized I have no desire to impress this person. I don't want to say that I run a business. I don't want to say that I... I don't, I don't don't even know what else I would say that, you know, I guess start talking about my career and whatever. I don't, and also to be totally honest, as you know, if we have been friends for a while, um, I don't like talking about what I do because I don't have a clear thing to be. It's, it's not simple to describe what I am. It doesn't sound very impressive. Like, and it was one of the reasons that I grieved uh, one of many reasons in my book process is I thought I was finally going to have one word to be able to say what I am. Like if you ask my husband what he does, he's like, I'm a software engineer. When you ask me what I do, I could say I have my own company or I have my own business. And then someone's going to say, oh, doing what? And then what do I really, it's just like not clear cut from there. It's just not the neatest, tidiest thing. So I then often feel like, I do sound insecure because I'm over explaining. You would think after doing this for 12 years, I would have figured out a way to describe it. Uh, but it still remains something that I just don't like having to talk to new people about. And so I was hopeful that I'd just be able to say, Oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. Oh, what do you write? Oh, I have a book. Like, that's just an easier way to go about it. So anyways, I actually am aware I am insecure having to answer this question, not because I'm actually insecure in what I do for work, just because I don't love the, like, I don't have a great quick tagline about it. And yet I just felt no desire to, I didn't feel any of that insecurity. I was actually happy to keep talking about them so that I didn't have to share anything until we got to our, you know, exit point and could um, part ways. And so I think sometimes it's that moment where the contrast of this person I used to see sort of on a pedestal above me. And again, I do not mean to sound at all like, it's not schadenfreude where you're, you know, pleasure at the suffering of others. It's not being like, oh good, I was above her now and that felt good. It really wasn't about her. It was about the fact that I, by my observing Oh, she was insecure back then. And that's why she wasn't very kind. And she's still unkind now and insecure. And I have compassion. I would not wish that on anyone. I'm not happy to see that. But separate from her, it allows me, it shines a light for me to go, I was insecure back then too. And wow. I have grown so much in the last 20 years. And, I, you know, you know that logically, but sometimes you just have those moments. And it also doesn't have to be running into the person. It could be when an encounter shows up in your life. Like maybe you get let go from a job and, or you get broken up with or you Get into a fight with your best friend or something happens and you realize I am handling this so much better than I did years ago. I can think of times 10 years ago when I was hysterically sobbing in the shower at this news and today I'm like, okay, well, this is disappointing, but it's going to be fine. And I think it's those moments. Again, it's not really about this person. It's about the fact that a conversation with them gave me a window and insight into me. It, it really is all about me, and realizing I did need to heal and grow. It's not just she wasn't a very kind person back then, and so that that that's all there was to the story. I still also was very. Insecure then. But wow, hooray, can I celebrate how much I have healed today? That's the first win. And secondarily, can we look back and have compassion on our younger self and realize I was doubly hard on her, on my younger self back then, because I was thinking, I'm imperfect, I'm insecure, and I'm judgy. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm disliking that person, and that feels not good, and this probably is about me, and I'm going to heap even more shame on myself that my insecurity also makes me think people are not nice when other people seem to like this person. Instead of realizing, no, no, actually, Hillary, age 15, 20, 25, whatever it is, yes, you were insecure and you were imperfect, and you also had the wisdom and the self-awareness that you should be able to trust when someone doesn't seem that nice or kind or authentic. That both things can be true. You can be imperfect and have those areas where your part of your brain is telling you, don't trust yourself you're the problem. You're just defending it because you don't know how to change it. And another part of your brain can also be correctly saying, but in this area, trust yourself because it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't feel this way. And I think that is so challenging for us to know. We've talked about that so much in numerous episodes about how we learn to trust ourselves. And I think that's the complexity because we know Sometimes we shouldn't because sometimes we are the problem. We, we do have a weakness. We do have a blind spot. We just don't know how to change it yet. So that's why we're not fully admitting it and acknowledging it, but we do know that it's there. So we don't fully want to let ourselves off the hook as we shouldn't because we do want to heal those parts. But also then are we heaping double shame and taking on things that we shouldn't? And I think the way that we heal this is by noting these moments. When I run into this person again, just to repeat again, it has nothing to do with her and being like, gosh, she really hasn't you know, grown or or gosh, she's still really insecure. I genuinely have empathy for her because I'm able to feel in that moment. I have no desire for her to find me impressive. I don't even want to expend my energy having a conversation, trying to validate what I'm doing with my life. And I'm being authentic. I really am happy for her. I don't mean she was a cruel person where I would say, oh, karma's come back to get you and you don't have a good life. I don't mean that. I mean, I think this was a fellow 15, 20, 25 year old girl who was also insecure and therefore also wasn't the kindest to herself and others. But I was able to pick up on that. But I hope that she would be. Healed and healthier now. And I'm sorry that she isn't, but wow, am I able to feel the difference and look back and have so much more compassion for my younger self, realize how I was harder on myself than I should have been. And not only is that healing for sort of our inner child element, but then also, how do I apply that today? Because if I was that, if I was doubly hard on myself then, and only half of it was justified, isn't there a really good chance, unless you have done a lot of work on this specific area, that you are still too hard on yourself today? There are still areas in which yes, you are not perfect and you want to take ownership and you want to heal and you want to grow, and the fact that you are listening to a podcast like this means To me, that you are on the journey of doing that because that's all we talk about here. So, yes, we are imperfect, and yes, we're wanting to be better at owning our ish. And yes, even today, you and I both have things that we are not fully acknowledging because we don't fully know how to change them. And we're going to be better five years from now and 10 years from now, we're working on it. But also, are we still in the tendencies? How are we still in the tendencies? Where in our life are we still in the tendency? To say, because I know I'm not perfect everywhere and I've got some shame about that, I've got some defensiveness, some, some anger towards myself about that, some real disappointment in that area, I'm doubling down on these other areas where actually I should be listening to my gut more. You're you're not a bad manager or boss. This person beneath you isn't doing their job right. You're not a bad romantic partner or asking for too much. This person really isn't the going to be the right fit for you. Um, I just think of some of the stories that women have shared in the garden party who are trying to discern whether it's them or their employees or thinking back to, you know, coaching in my mastermind is when we're trying to decide, you know, was it was it them? Was it their business partner? Now, is it them? Is it the, the romantic relationship? Is it them? Is it the friendship? And I think often, we're to, is, it, is it you or your mother or your mother-in-law, whatever, you know, family scenario, how do we learn when to trust ourselves That we're not the problem. And when to trust ourselves that we are. And I think because that part is so hard to admit, because those are the things we don't know how to change yet. That it gets a little murky. And I think the encouragement for today is looking for those moments. Where you do get that glimpse of that reminder of your past self because you either are having a conversation with someone in your past, you're back at a place where you were. This also has happened to me in the last year where I was physically in a place that I forgotten I had been to before. I was walking down the street with Jeremy and all of a sudden I went, Oh my gosh, I was here 10 years ago. And it it just all started to unfold where I realized I, if you had told me at that point that I would willingly come back here and feel this peaceful and happy and optimistic about these certain things in my life, I just would have told you there's no way. There's no way. This area will forever be broken. This shame, this grief, this trauma will never be healed. And I think it's such a gift. When we get those moments where something reminds you, I have been here before, interacting with this person in this place or having the same kind of life experience, getting fired, breaking up with someone, you know, whatever it is, any of those three things zoom me back to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and I get. One of those movie moments, really, where we zoom back in time and we see how different it was then. We see how bad the childhood was. And now we see how they are grown up and they are handling it so well. And I hope that by my sharing one of these encounters for myself in the last year, it either sparks for you something that has happened for you in the last few months where you can realize that and you maybe just didn't sink into it, get out your Elegant Excellence Journal right through it. What what was the growth? What, What can you celebrate? How different are you? What is actually remarkable and stunning when you consider where you were? Or that it puts on your radar For the next time that happens, to to capture it, to catch it and not let it go by and realize this is a deeply healing moment. And I should journal about this. I should talk to someone about this. I should really sink into this because this is a gift from the universe for me to get to go revisit my past self and viscerally feel how much growth and healing and change has occurred so that i can number 1 celebrate where i am today and all of that growth change and healing number 2 go back and show compassion for that younger self that they didn't give themselves enough grace for everything that was happening they took on too much they blamed and shamed too much how can we go back and heal and then 3 that likely means we're doing the same thing today so how then could Might we look back at ourselves today in 2023, 5, 10, 20 years from now, and look back and say, oh my gosh, now I can see I was being too hard on myself in 2023. Where do you need to celebrate who you are today? Give your past self compassion. And then most of all, the one that I really am sitting with is where am I not giving myself enough? compassion and credit and grace today? Where am I still beating myself up too much in my insecurities? And where am I not taking ownership of the things I want to change? Because that's ultimately getting in the way. If I truly could trust myself that I was being honest all the time, then I also wouldn't beat myself up but it's that I'm not fully honest all the time because they still have these areas I don't really know how to change. And so I deflect and get defensive around them. And my brain knows that inconsistency. So the more healed we are, the more honest we are, the more we're able to trust ourselves. And that includes being able to see when actually it isn't about us in the situation. Because we have enough peace and faith that when it is us, we're willing to admit that because we believe we can grow and heal and change. So it isn't scary to be faced with that. It's just relieving because now we're not going to create our own chaos and drama anymore. It's freeing to get to that place. And that's really what we're doing here through What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, through the Healing Burnout Course, through the Elegant Excellence Journal, through this podcast, through what we're talking about on Instagram. We're all really just trying to heal so that we have more inner peace so that we have less of that inner less of that inner turmoil and we cause less of our own chaos. And we talk about this a lot in what makes women feel beautiful that the kind of woman who's kind is kind to others, kind to the world in needing to buy less and consume less and all of that because she's kind first to herself. And we know that logically that anyone we see out there being negative on social media, none of those people are happy. <laughs> we know that logically that when we see someone being unkind, I mean in, you know, extreme examples, let's take Putin in Russia, do you think Putin has just a lot of self-love and inner peace and feels great about himself? No, he's out there feeling small, which is why he needs to keep dominating everyone else. He's not like we're, we're great. We're Gucci. You guys, you do you, boo. Uh, we, we, we are being aggressive towards others when we are feeling like we're needing to defend. And so realizing that actually the kinder we are to ourselves, I'm even able to just sit there and let this person talk about themselves. And genuinely, even though they've just said something unkind and reminded me, I don't think they're particularly kind. I'm able to sit there and honestly say for them, I truly am happy for them. I'm really happy for them that they have a wonderful spouse and kids and a great career because I don't wish bad things on anyone unless they've, you know, actively been an ag- a physical aggressor to someone else, which is not the case here. So, I don't wish you any ill will because I don't feel I don't feel competitive towards you. I don't feel I just want everyone to be happy. I just want everyone to be peaceful because that's what I'm working on in my life and how freeing that is, especially when we reflect back on other times in our lives where that wasn't always the case, where we too were not the kindest because it came out of that insecurity. And that's not to say that we're perfect today and we always have the kindest thoughts to ourselves and others, but that that's the journey we're on here is to be more kind to ourselves. And as a result, what happens is we are more kind to others. And therefore, when we see people that are insecure, that are being unkind, we know it's within them. They don't feel something within them doesn't feel confident, isn't being kind in their thoughts to themselves about where they're at in life. And it is absolutely my hope and my prayer that That is not true of you, and you are moving into that being less and less true of you with each season that we journey together, and we are all far from perfect, but on the path together, and I am so grateful that you are here. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is we're going to a wedding next weekend, and there are It's kind of been a whole kerfuffle about the dress code because Jeremy got an email with all the details about this wedding. He did not know that I did not get the email. I did not know that he did get the email. So I just thought there really wasn't much information about this wedding. A physical invite never came, which is just food for thought for anyone out there who's planning a wedding or your daughter is or your best friend is, Uh, while I uh, appreciate the ease of doing everything online, it very well may mean that not everyone is in the loop, not everyone is receiving things. So normally when we get a physical invite invitation or when I get the invitation, I'm reading through all of the information and I would bring this up to Jeremy. I would be like, hey, I got such and such invite and I did this and that. Well, my very sweet husband thinks that he's being very kind because he knows how much I have on my plate right now. And so he's just handling everything as the emails come in, but he's not telling me. He's not like, oh, by the way, I did this. I got, it. I got us the food reservation. I got us the dinner reservation, the housing reservation, whatever. And so it's just not sparking for me. Has he maybe gotten an extensive email with a link to a website with other extensive information? Now, this is also an Indian wedding. And I had been really looking forward to getting the opportunity to wear traditional Indian clothing if that was going to be the the invitation for the weekend. And I wasn't sure whether or not it was going to be. I'd asked the couple once before, a while back early in planning. They were like a little vague about it. They weren't like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Anyone Western who wants to dress and um, Indian clothing, we'll give you links, we'll tell you where to shop. Like, then I would have known something's amiss that that hasn't come through. But because they didn't say it, I was like, well, maybe they just didn't really say anything and I don't want to seem like I'm I'm pushing the point. It's not like I'm going to be disappointed if they have made another choice, you know? But if it's an opportunity, I would like to participate in it. Just to have a different, you know, cultural experience would be a, a cool life experience. So finally this weekend, I text another girl and I'm like, are you wearing Indian like clothing to this at another white friend? And um, I don't really know a lot of other people that know this couple, but I text the one friend that I do know. And she's like, I was, I was going to, I didn't get my act together. So like, I just got a dress last weekend. And so that puts on my radar that it's maybe like a hard thing. You maybe have to have known about it further in advance. So I finally asked my husband realize, um, yeah, there was a, there's a whole wedding website came a long time ago and it not only is it that you should have ordered your Indian, um, attire by July one to it's, it's the end of August, by the way, two months ago, I would have need to order this. So there's that. And I'm like, you know, bummed about that. And just like, that would have been a fun thing to get to do. That ship has sailed. But furthermore, I had already decided what I was going to wear to this wedding because I did not want to buy anything new. I didn't want to shop. We had gone to a wedding about a year ago. I bought two new dresses. I was like, great. I now have these wedding dresses. Wore one of them to another wedding recently. Again, just not wanting to get into the habit that every time there is a new fun activity to go to, you buy a new fun dress. And I think that's something that a lot of us do with style, because it is so fun to go get the fun dress, but then you wear it one time, and um, so really wanting to make a point. No, I'm going back to these dresses that I already have. I'm not investing any time, money, and energy in looking for something new. So I've already decided what I'm wearing. Then I read through the invitation, y'all the the party on Saturday. I'm not exaggerating. It's a 12 hour wedding, which just sounds delightful. It's a lunch through a dancing entrance, through a cocktail hour, through a ceremony, through a party, through an after party. Like, we're talking noon till after midnight. So they've specified wear flat shoes. Totally on board for this. Except the dress that I was planning to wear, it it touches the floor like barely, barely touches the floor in my absolute highest heels. So there is no way that I can wear this. It is going to drag on the floor by inches. So suddenly that dress is out. Okay. I've got my other wedding dress, The, the dress that I've worn to weddings. I could wear that one instead. The, it says the colors that the bridesmaids are, it says, are there any colors that I shouldn't wear? Now I've never seen this at a wedding before, but I actually love it. They say, these are the colors that the bridal party will be wearing. Well, my other dress is in those colors, and I'm taking this to mean you should not wear these colors. They didn't explicitly say don't wear them, but that's the subtext, right? Is there any colors we shouldn't wear? The bridal party will be in these colors, aka I wouldn't wear these colors. Suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, both of my wedding dresses do not work for this event. We're leaving in a week, and again, I don't want to, not only do I want to not rush and spend Time on this, but then I don't want to feel rushed into spending money on something I didn't really love because I just needed something. So I go to my closet and I'm like, what else do I have that I can wear? And I really don't have a ton of fancy dresses for what this is. It's also kind of like a farm wedding. It's during the daytime, it's colorful, like anything black that I have isn't going to work, et cetera. You can't wear anything white to a wedding. So I don't have a lot of options. I have this one dress that I have not worn in at least seven years because I do not believe I've worn this since before I met Jeremy. And we are coming up on having been together for seven years. So I have not worn this dress in seven years. I put it on. It fits. I'm like, you know, I surprisingly like this, which I guess is why. And this is my something I'm loving lately. Long story here. But I guess There is something about the pattern that I loved that even though I wasn't wearing it, I just never got rid of it. And every time I would pass it, you know, I teach a whole closet organization method in what makes women feel beautiful that we go through. And every time I would get to the end of this organization season and then be like, I still didn't wear this, I just wouldn't, wouldn't want to part with it. I would be like, but there is something that I like about it, even though I haven't worn it. Then I go to put on my shoes with it because I need flat shoes. It's unusual to be wearing a nice dress with flat shoes. So I'm trying I'm like these ones don't work. These ones don't work. These ones are not that comfortable. We've just established. We're wearing these for over 12 hours. So I then put on a pair of sandals that again, I would guess I have not worn in over seven years. And I say to Jeremy, I, I actually think I really like these with this dress. He's like, "Yeah, that looks great." I'm like, I can't believe that I just put together an outfit that has been in my closet, both pieces for maybe 10 years. I haven't worn either in seven and yet they're coming back around at the right time. So my something that I'm loving lately is having the wisdom, the organization, the intention in your closet. So much of this that we cover in What Makes Women Feel Beautiful that creates so much freedom for women that have had packed closets, dated closets, you're wearing 20% of what you own, 80% of the time. You have thousands of dollars in there that you are barely wearing. But the idea of Marie Kondo in your whole life is totally exhausting. I, I I love Marie Kondo, but it is who has a whole weekend to touch every single thing that they have. It's so much the the way I have us do it is takes absolutely no time. You just do it as you go, and it's so much easier. So yes, to all of that and the clearing. And yet what I'm loving is the pull is not having the definition be to be a minimalist or a perfectionist or to have such a hacked system that you're like, if I haven't worn this an X amount of time, it goes. Well, why? Why? I mean, if you don't, If you don't have space and we're shoving to get things in your closet, then yes, let's get rid of some stuff. But if you got the space, if everything can be seen and you're not creating clutter and chaos and everything fits in there nicely, then what's the value of purging just to purge? And so what I'm loving is this moment where I I got to celebrate last night as I tried this dress on, okay, I'm loving the way that I've done my closet. It is not the way that so many other experts recommend whether it's, you know, because would I have, would I have kept this dress if I really had been like, does this spark joy? I mean, the pattern does, but if I haven't worn it, then aren't my actions saying that it doesn't spark joy, et cetera. And I guess this goes back to the conversation today on trusting yourself, that as through 12 years of being a style expert, I've come to trust myself and to hone my instincts so that I do have a dress in my closet I haven't worn for seven years and yet haven't gotten rid of it because I have enough space in my closet. And I was right that there was still something that I liked enough about it. And it is absolutely saving me. And I actually think I'm going to feel great going to this wedding, especially even though I really would love to be wearing Indian garb, not going to lie. But I think I will feel amazing knowing I didn't spend any time, money, and energy hunting for a dress. And that's the same thing the last wedding that I went to. I just styled that dress differently than I had for the previous wedding. It felt different, and yet no time, money, energy on a new dress. So anyways, if you are looking for that confidence in your closet, you got to join us in What Makes Women Feel Beautiful And this is the practical application of it. There are those times when you're like, I got invited to something last minute. I realized something didn't fit and I didn't panic and I didn't have to expend all this time, money, and energy. I had curated a closet that was going to have enough options for me to enjoy my life and to just be present in these scenarios. So we are very excited to Dance Till We Drop. Um in sandals. Although I also am not going to lie, I, I might, I don't even know why we say that phrase, not going to lie. Why would I just sit here and lie to you about my shoe, uh, w- my choice of shoes? But what I mean to say is I also may bring tennis shoes because I mean, if it's just that intense of a night, then by the time you get down to the night, because the groom's birthday is the next day. So he's like, you got to party till after midnight. And again, it starts at 12 o'clock. So, and my, I usually am in bed at nine (laughs) o'clock. I said to Jeremy, I was like... Maybe I need to experiment with some drugs I haven't tried this weekend. What are upper type things? Because usually I'm just looking for things that are going to chill me out. But I have like one drink and I'm kind of sleepy. So what am I going to do to get myself that 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. energy? So I think I just also might bring some tennis shoes because I feel like that might help give me that that second pep in my step. So anyways, I hope this week's conversation gave you and your soul a little pep in your step. I would love to hear your reflections as always over in the garden party. If you're one of our members or over on Instagram in the comments below any of my recent posts and would love if you would share this episode, if there was a nugget or a takeaway that you feel like would help someone share it. Uh, Tag me if you do so on Instagram so I can see. And thank you so much in advance um, for anyone that you share this with and for continuing to live your life in this beautiful, authentic way of always pursuing more growth. I am right there with you and I will see you back here for our next You're Welcome Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. Until next Wednesday.